Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I continue to learn about the initiatives from small business owners, students, student founders, educators, edtech founders, civic officials, nonprofit executives, healthcare executives, technology experts, technology startup founders, and even oil and gas tech startups. These individuals have shared their stories in person during the pre-COVID period and remotely throughout the COVID and the quasi-COVID opening periods. Out of 86 podcasts recorded and released so far in 2021, I had the privilege of learning about the important support network of Woods Homes from clinical coordinator David Williamson during episode 309. As I learned, Woods Homes provides treatment and support for children, youth, and families with mental health needs, a service that has become increasingly important during the COVID pandemic. Take the time to consider learning more about and possibly donating to Woods Homes and their many programs, including the Albo Springs Counseling Service. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast from whatever app you access your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and even Amazon Music. I also invite you to leave a review. This will allow others to easily find the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. So good afternoon and welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Wozni. And on the line today, I've got Vadim Lidic. Do I get that? Lidic? How do I pronounce it? Oh, that you name? got that perfectly right. A perfect Polish pronunciation of my Ukrainian last name. Yeah, Ukrainian, Polish, Ukrainian. My last name, you know what it means in English, in Russian, right? <laughs> it means important. So this is an important podcast. <laughs> Vadim, you know, thank you. For the, episode 299, you're just... I, Sorry, Vadim, you didn't get 300. Uh, one, I, I promise that, but 300 already oh, been, <laughs> you just got in slotted. <laughs> if you waited two days, I would have had that in. So okay. episode 299, uh, welcome. Vadim, let, let's start from your business CoSquare. Um, I just, I want you to go there, tell, introduce yourself and let's talk about CoSquare. Okay, well, yeah, thank you so much for having me and, you know, amazing initiative of highlighting, you know, Canada-wide and Calgary-bound businesses. Um, uh, although I'm currently in Toronto right now, you know, I wish I was there. I'm actually, you know, be- between me and you, I'm looking to escape this lockdown and maybe go travel somewhere to Edmonton or Calgary. So definitely uh, going to uh, uh, shop and announce and, and say you're cut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I mean, so- on that point, though, right, because of... Let- we're going to go yeah. right here to the COVID because, you know, as a tr- major trend, and in your, I don't know if you've seen it in Toronto or some of the smaller cities outside of Toronto, you know, that there's a migration to the, because of work from anywhere, or work from home yes. kind of thing. Is I love that a trend you're seeing? That's exactly, that's the trend that I'm hoping to start or fuel or, or, or jump on the bandwagon of because really no point of me paying, you know, ridiculous rents living in Toronto uh, or, you know, downtown Calgary or, you know, downtown Vancouver, you know, yeah. I'm, I can get the same Wi-Fi connection from, you know, any other place. And the only reason why I'm not on the, you know, not, not, not in Spain right now or Italy is because of the international lockdown. Sure. So I'll start, I'll start with, you know, I'll start with other beautiful parts of Canada, which I've never been to, by the way, because I wasn't born <laughs> here. Uh, I would love to travel. I'd love to visit. I'd love to, you know, explore. And then, you know, maybe two, three years from now, uh, really hit the road and, and, and work from other countries and, and see the world. I, I don't think there is a reason why we can't. Uh, uh, Alan, I really, you know, I think this is the blessing. I think uh, uh, COVID really made it possible for people like you and me that are not bound to a physical office to go anywhere and, and, and you know, put in the hours, put in the work, but then go and enjoy something new every day, you know, like a... Like a I tell like you, a, Vadim, see, people say, like, they complain about Zoom or they complain about work, working from home. Like, I worked from a lot, two years in Dubai, right? The first two years, not, I was there for seven, but the very first two years we were setting up office, we had to, because you, you have to get all your licensing and all that. You can't, you know, you couldn't rent. And it was early days, at least for me, it was 2009. And two years, I was in, working at a coffee shop on the laptop, right? Wherever it was, my office was wherever I was at the Wi-Fi, literally. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's very real. But people people complain. I get it. You know, I understand that your comforts is your home or office or whatever it was. People just don't. That's a bit of a, it's been a disruption for a long time now. 
You know, I want to be sympathetic of office workers because now you're basically expected to be available around the clock, whereas before with all the clunky uh, uh, enterprise software, the moment you log out of your computer station, you essentially can't even get access to your email. At yeah. least that's how it works from my wealth management company that I was part of in the, you know, fresh out of school. And yeah, yeah even if I wanted to work, I couldn't because everything is on the virtual machine and you just can't log in into that remotely so you know five o'clock i'm out nobody can reach me now anytime you want to send me an email at three o'clock in the morning you know people just expect to be people expect other people to be available and so i think the complaint is usually around that uh, yeah. i don't think anybody you know resists sitting in the pajamas and drinking wine at four in the <laughs> afternoon like what are you complaining about come on like really like you cannot do those things in the office in front of your manager but so i think it's uh you know pros and cons but traveling you know with with zoom seeing be, being able to deliver work while enjoying different cultures and countries and places yeah i think it's a blessing but people, i mean to that point i mean they've gotten real creative on zoom and you know, commercials now you're seeing and ads and, and in, you know, that zoom, zoom in, zoom out. It's a really, it's a real thing to get zoomed, you know, whatever. It's like, well, let's, let's go to your clients. Cause tell me, we can talk about the history of Coast Guard, but first, how were some of your clients and customers disrupted during COVID? Do you, do you want to, do you have any stories you want to share? How they disrupted uh, themselves? Or how, or how... You know, they got disrupted or anything they had to do creative, anything you were advising, anything you want to share with, you know, the two listeners I have out there. <laughs> to listeners, I'm sure you get more than that. No, uh, Alan, see, like uh, most of our clients are actually uh, pre-incorporation businesses. So a lot of them were disrupting their lives. Yeah. They were quitting their corporate backgrounds or they were laid off, which is unfortunate. And they yeah. decided to start a business. And a lot of them were looking for coaching and mentorship and understanding what it takes to, you know, run a company and raise money and build a product and get it out there and sell it to people and, you know, just repeat yeah. the whole cycle. And I personally genuinely enjoy talking to many of them because, you know, the past seven years of me doing that. Uh, kind of got a little bit of a head start on them. And so now I get to, uh, I get to, you know, re relive the same moments through them, you know, when they go and negotiate with an angel oh, investor right. and they right. get the term sheet and they're like, what is this? Why am I supposed to, you know, give away a board seat and 25% of the company for a yeah. hundred thousand dollars. And that's when we started having real business conversations that I enjoy. Hey, maybe you don't want to give away, you know, 25%. So yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of disruption on the, on the individual level, on the company level, because again, they just starting out out, you know, I don't get that track record to see what they've had and where they are today. But, you know, just CoSquare alone, you know, being able to get clients internationally, being able to close clients without, you know, leaving my apartment and, you know, not having to go for in-person meetings and travel from, you know, uptown to downtown for an hour and a half and then back just so I can, you know, have 30 minutes, you know, informal consultation with them. The COVID really empowered scalability of something that was previously a client slash service-based business, right? Because yeah. it's just that many hours in a day. I'm sure you're aware of that, you know, given the nature of the, you know, your own business and what you're doing. Um, there's only so many, uh, you know, hours in a day with, with Zoom and HubSpot and just, you know, massive, you know, uh, move towards automation and, and self-service. Yeah. You know, we were able to scale the unscalable. I'm still talking to every client. I'm still answering every question myself by typing it with my own two fingers. But man, oh man, like, can I, can I, you know, batch, you know, 20 or 30 of those in a given day versus maybe four, four or five on the best day when I had to go downtown. So definitely, yeah, you know. that travel time, right? So you, do you, I mean, just, I'm picturing Toronto. So now, um, are you in Toronto? Was it called York or whatever? Or are you downtown? Blue yeah, I'm, so I'm at I'm at North York. That's exactly you know Shepherd oh, okay. Yon area. Uh, you know, you you jump on the subway, you travel maybe for 40 minutes. You're yeah. you can hit downtown core. Then if you need to go sideways, you know, you get a streetcar or a bus. That's another 20, 30, 40 minutes. And you know, the interesting part was you know because. Before, say, I had clients that were working in different locations. That, that was previous businesses that I was running, right? Not the Coast yeah. Core, but before COVID. Uh, Co because Coast Core is, you know, literally just, uh, you know, two, two, three month old, but, you know, existed forever. Oh, there, I, sorry, because I was looking at, because there's, I mean, you've got such a history that I've, I've, I've taken some points here. But, <laughs> um, so wait, so Coast Core, you just started because of COVID. So the Coast Guard, the legal entity existed since I believe 2017. And that was always a, uh, a vehicle, the entity that I, 
used yeah. for all the ideas that I had, whether that was legal tech, prop tech, you know, esports, like, you know, just trying different things. But the uh, the product, the, the uh, incorporation for, you know, startups product that I'm commercializing right now oh, really, oh. really started. And I'm not, not even going to lie. I'm looking at my phone right now. The first client inquiry I got on March 5th. Today is yeah. May 13th. So it's barely over two months old, you know, but there's been multiple iterations. And I, and I actually, I, 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 uh, I dare you to ask me about all the failures because I'd love to add value to people. <laughs> but I, we are happy to give, give you can give some examples. But I, you know, I'm looking at your website, right? Incorporate your business first thing. Like, I, come on, I'm going back. I was in Edmonton, and we had to sell my first. I had to buy the bit. No, I had to sell it, and it was a registry office. This was like ninety uh, two thousand one before I went overseas, and uh, mm -hmm. we were selling the business. We just literally changed the name to the new guy. And it was a it was seamless process, but it you had to go to the registry office. Mm -hmm. So now, mm -hmm. I, if I was in that same situation, would you help on that display? Because it's it's not incorporating, but it's a new business for the new guy if he's buying from me. But it was very easy. We had agreement, you know, share, share purchase agreement. That's the only document they needed. Yeah. Do you deal with that level? You know what I'm saying? Like this is 20 years ago. Uh, when mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I when that kind of incorporation of an Alberta you know numbered company. Mm -hmm. I, such mm -hmm. a boring stuff, but people still have numbered companies. People do, and people still register a numbered company. We actually had a client yeah. that registered a, comp a numbered company, you know, recently, and yeah. we had to really walk them through the process of creating a brand and a trademark around that, so yeah. that they can create a name and you know we use a trade name instead of a you know one two three Alberta Inc. as their you know uh, uh, you know thing on the website. So yeah, no, hundred percent we do that. Um, the process is a little bit easier, you know, granted that federal government made some advancements recently of making yeah. everything online. So for us as a provider, we do not need to physically go anywhere. Although if you're incorporating provincially, there are still use cases where you need to mail packages that you hand sign and, you know, and then they get, get back to you within a month or, you know, within a week and they tell you, okay, it's so approved. hand sign for what? Like you can't do, you can't do PDF signing or virtual Well, signing? no, it's, you know, there's still some provinces um, where, you know, so most of them are yeah. pretty advanced, but even Ontario, like if you need to, you know, there is service providers that get a monopoly. I, I don't want to get too much into it, but there is, Non this is interesting stuff because this is, no, yeah, Wait, Betty, this is practical. So let's get into it. No, yeah, I'll, explain. I'll yeah. explain. I'll explain. There is three companies in Ontario um, that have monopoly. They're non-government entities. They are private companies. They're for yeah. profit. They get a monopoly on allowing people to file updates electronically when it comes when it pertains to their provincial company so if you're an ontario-based business and so the government can, is allowing that it funnels through those people they're kind of like the gatekeepers that's right so you can do it through them they charge yeah. a commission on that now if you wanted to do it yourself without so say just i just want to do it myself with the government yeah. directly and cut out the middle person the only option is physical mail that's how oh crazy it is yeah that's like okay this i mean it's literally I don't know. It, it's it, it's just almost just goes against the tech element side, right? Like those three gatekeepers, those three people go through, and then it costs you an arm. So you can't link the API. That's what I was going to go no, to, right? That's right. I wish I could, and I'm trying to, you know, create a series of emails and hit up the government. But you know, you know how it works, right? It's it's you know certain either law firms that existed there for a hundred years or certain yeah. you know back back like office providers that just 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 were you know nominated to do that you know i don't want to get too much like into you know trash talking them because i'm sure they're doing a well, fantastic no, I mean, job a, and, you know, it's, it's hard to change right there's just the, the the what everybody's comfortable with right yeah the government doesn't have any apis and that's where i really saw the opportunity to create one for maybe you know um uh, and i don't want to get, get you know get too much into it but there is a way to sort of you know bypass the gatekeepers and do it yourself but it's going to be probably 80 percent you're the biggest pro so you're the biggest province right so if, if ontario I'll, there's two things here i'll say i had on my podcast socialite vodka they're they're in ontario mm -hmm. and so dan beach was on about a year just after COVID, you know COVID started we were i did a lot of remote podcasts and he was telling me about alberta is such a favorable environment for alcohol for liquor so a lot of these these people that have just started up brands, they're not they're not they're not making alcohol. They use you know the the distillers or whatever to fill their mm -hmm. bottles, but it's the marketing of it. But the, to sell and distribute, Alberta seems to be the favorite. And that, that was a common theme. 
but that so but if I'll, if ontario is still living in the 60s or 70s right on this file <laughs> registration you're the biggest province man if you guys you guys can can't get it what are all these other small provinces doing i mean is, is it i don't know do, do you have experiences with other provinces let's don't pick on ontario but you know, what I mean? is it a common across Canada? Yeah, you know, it's uh, again, again, there's multiple things you can do online. There's multiple things you yeah. can't do online. I mean, you could register in Quebec using their own, you know, 18 page form. And, you know, it's uh, you fill out and fill out and fill out. And then eventually, you know, you submit all the information. I mean, look, every province has their different process. Uh, it's all different That's requirements. The right there. It's the Everyone has their own little fiefdoms, their own niches, their own little akoshka. You know the little window. Right? Akoshka, yeah, yeah. Right? There's a little the, window. <laughs> You've got to file all the forms through that uh, little window. And that puts them behind. You don't know where it goes, right? And suddenly it comes back. There, 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 there's a difference in province requirements too. So for <laughs> example, in Ontario, you're registering a business, you need to be a Canadian citizen or a permanent resident. Yeah. Uh, in British Columbia, you don't have to. So you can literally be on the beach in Spain right now, registering a British Columbia-based company and nobody will ask you any questions. Well, that's BC Tech, um, right? BC is advanced. BC is in tech. But again, the nickel, the, the, through the weeds on this one, I didn't, I didn't know we were good. This is incredible stuff, right? Because imagine how easy it could be for people filing businesses and doing cross-border there was a time we used to go to bc to get beer right it was called kokanee because it guess what the interprovincial provincial barriers existed and they didn't sell we couldn't get moosehead beer here in you know in alberta or we couldn't get uh, kokanee uh -huh. i don't even know what beers are in ontario you know uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. yeah no that's exactly and, and and to be fair with you uh you know these uh, setbacks and these outdated you know traditions present a business opportunity why do you think i'm doing this i you know i want to create an environment where you can create a business in Delaware and business in British Columbia and, you know, and, and in Quebec and Ontario and not leave but your linking to the, the registry, right? Like, cause there's that sort of bastion of where the here in Alberta, right? You can get your driver's license. You go to this, like I mentioned that, you know, the same place I can get a fishing and license, mm -hmm. insurance, hunting, whatever it is, right. Yeah. That same place 20 years ago, when I sold my business, that registry off, they do all everything else. Right. So driver testing, road testing, that registry office is it the same in Ontario? I'm just to quickly talk about that. Well, we've got a service Ontario. That's what we have. That's what it's called, and that's exactly how how it's done. But let me tell you something even crazier. Uh, you cannot open a bank account um, for your business without physically going to your branch and signing. Uh, and fintech, fintech is disrupting that. Come on. I'm pretty sure. I'm. Pre I was talking to my client yesterday. I said I'm pretty sure there is an app where they scan your fingerprint off of the touch uh, touch ID on your iPhone, and you basically seal and sign you know, somewhere and like, you know, and you just yeah. get a bank account, but, but to get, I, you know, I was trying to reach out one of the banks and yes, on behalf of my clients and we, yeah. you know, cause he's not based in Canada, he's based out of Russia. Uh, and we want like two of us were putting our heads to it, trying to open the bank account for him and just no way you have to physically come. Well, how, how can I physically sign something if I'm not in the country? You know, Vadim, you're going there, you know, the FinTech, FinTech is incredible. Last week, there was uh, three or four, maybe the week before, there was three or four for students. This is the level, right? Drilling down, I can't remember the name of the companies. Um, I'll, 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 offline, I'll talk to you, but it was like, I, I added up the numbers. 200, one was 200 million, one was 200, 250 million. And the third one was like, you know, again, around 250 or whatever it was. So it was, you know, six, 700 million raised. Mm -hmm. Those are, that's the, the core raised. The valuations were above a billion, I think all right. three of them. Right. That's FinTech right. for just, was for students. And so, you know, they're looking to, to drill down and just, and, and, and disrupt. That ask, and I still can't. They call them challenger banks or whatever, fin, you know, and they're just everywhere. Maybe not so much in Canada. Well, Neo Financial, ClearBank just raised a, a big, a big chunk. Yeah, but I don't like their new name, ClearCo. It just sounds so corporate. I really like the ClearBank. It's just my personal point of view. Uh, but to speak on that, on that point, you know, people will always uh, uh, value convenience at the premium. And I, there's a lot of people that are saying this. I didn't come up with this. A particular phrasing, but you know, if I don't need to physically be in the bank signing, or I don't need to go to yeah. register's office to deliver paper, or yeah. I whatever, I don't need to drive cross province to get the beer. You get the point, right? Like you know, people will the always fiction. Pick Come on, du for mm -hmm. the Duolingo guy, the Duolingo. I listened to the podcast about a year ago. So Duolingo is you know language yeah, language yeah. Yazik, right? The, the so, and he literally said to write the Teufel, right? It was so much friction. I had to travel for I think Columbia <laughs> from Columbia to whatever it was, right? And it's like, gosh, but that wasn't even his big thing. His, you know, the dual, not Duolingo, you know, the gotcha or captcha, right? Yeah, well, they That's invented him. that. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. 
He's the yeah. guy that created that because he was he he was he did something. He was a coder and he coded for he did it. He gave it to he gave it to Yahoo, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that it, it's called crowdsourcing, right? So he took that, gave it to Yahoo, and then Google took it. So now when you go in, uh, you know that that seven seconds or eight seconds to yeah. verify that you're you're not a bot. Yes. That's Google just showing you that there's a light, a uh, traffic light, or a bar, a car, mm -hmm. you know, or a mm -hmm. chimney. So yeah. what do we, the, the point is disruption. So on that basic level, right? That friction, where's the opportunity there? So I, I like what you're saying, Vadim. Yeah, can you make it easier? You know, and a lot of people are talking about the 10x improvements. A lot of people are saying, you know, you should be 10, 10 times better. But I argue that, you know, sometimes you can build exactly the same product. But if at, at the end, one company requires you to print, sign, and deliver, and the other company yeah. just does it for you. I mean, you know, we, we, where are you going to go? Probably, right? Yeah. Where are you going to go? And it could be really that little tiny thing. So, you know, I'm obsessed with these things, just a little bit of a background. Cause I think that was your first question, how you got started. Yeah, and, we go. You know, we, we, I get, I get distracted, but I'm going to, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. So started, off, background. Started, me, off, started off in the products, right? Like, and that's why these very little tiny tweaks and just the simplicity and just looking at my own iPhone and like, what apps am I paying for? Why am I paying? Like, why do I prefer, you know, Google over, you know, Google, uh, Google, workplace uh, over say Zoho or why do I like you know HubSpot over it's it's all comes down to product it's never what they put in the email or how many times they called me or you know what was that it <laughs> yeah. always comes down to the product I'm obsessed with building the most simplistic the most easy to understand almost the kinds of products that get out of your way right it product doesn't need to exist to remind you that exists it needs to get out of your way because people don't care about using products they care about solving a problem a lot of people a lot of people in business still don't understand that nobody cares about your products they care about solving their problem so if i can incorporate a company um, they're not going to care if it's me incorporating their company and me walking on their behalf to the registry office. They're not going to care. If I yeah. say it's done, it's done and they'll pay for it. And that's where a lot of other people get end up. So anyways, let's, let, 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 let's take it back. Um, came, you know, from Eastern Europe, as you can probably tell by my thick accent and my, my very Eastern European name. Yeah, sorry, I could be from there too, you know, and I speak it like this sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's very hard. It's very hard for my country, uh, uh, from, my, from my province, Alberta. <laughs> so I came from Eastern Europe when I was 17, yeah. you know, a couple of words of English, not too much, because, you know, we just don't That's teach crazy. English. So you're what, 22 now? I'm 24, I'm 24, I'm turning 25 in a month, uh, yeah, and I'm not. It's not I'm so not, long ago, man. I'm not looking forward to that, uh, getting older. Um, but, uh, you know, taught myself English, you know, ended up graduating, you know, worked on Bay Street, which is like Wall Street in Ontario, um, you know, in finance and made my parents really, really proud, really made them proud. Like they, they you know, post-Soviet, you know, country, like, you know, people were barely making any money. You're from Cherkasy? Did you, wait, Cherkasy, didn't we? No, I'm from Donetsk, which is on the Donetsk. east side, yeah. close to Russia. That's where all the geopolitical tension is happening right yeah. now and was happening in 2013, 14, you know, I kind of, I kind of left, luckily, right before that. I think I left, and then they bombed the airport. They bombed the stadium. Like, it was just... That's crazy, because you had the... They had the Euro championships, right? Right there, right there. Yeah. I was sitting in the quarterfinal. I was sitting... Actually, I think it was semifinal. I was sitting uh, behind behind Casillas, making a massive save in the... Uh, uh, it was, uh, I believe, Portugal and Spain in the semifinal, and you could nice. see, you know, uh, you know, uh, Sergio Ramos, and, you know, uh, just, you know, all these big players, and they were playing. Dang, like, I was right. yeah. Wow. So anyway, then, yeah. I, I get, you know, that that's because I, I lived, come on, I lived in the, I lived in Russia and I lived in Kazakhstan and, and we, we dug, uh, a, a dug, we drilled a hole in the Crimea for gas, for oil mm -hmm. <laughs> um, before Russia took it. You know, like I was like, I've been all over that your, your, your country. So the Crimea, but I had the boys from Kozak uh, Alberta Vodka, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, back in last July, and it was so much fun. I was like, guys, you just did the the first vodcast. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they were bringing they were bringing Ukraine. They're still they still are. They're bringing from mm. somewhere. Um, I can't remember where. You know your knowledge of your knowledge of traditions and 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 brands and just the language. Uh, you know really threatens my uh you know position as an eastern european on this podcast you know I, but, the I'm boys, actually... but the boys they're bringing this vodka and it's like i can't even remember the name for you in ukrainian it was a, for vodka i got I, I have to find it but and it was just like there, that term right it was just some term yeah yeah you'll just tell and but literally there's a control of the vodka it comes from a factory the actual pure vodka mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty cool 
anyway, you got to go back to that because you'll, you'll get those boys. The three, the, the three Zub, right? Three Zub, which is the Ukrainian flag, right? There. Yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And, uh, you know, graduating from that, not to bore you here for a long time, but, you know, just realizing that I don't like, you know, making parents proud back to that point, but not myself. It was, it was like, okay, so I made 100K this year. Great. You know, a lot of people yeah. would kill, would kill to be in my position at the age of, at the, at the age of, you know, 19 or whatever. Cause I got, you know, I got, I, I got on Bay Street before I even graduated. Nice. There was just that hustle of just talk, talking to people. Who did you work people. for one of the, uh, who did you work for? Uh, there is a company called Industrial Alliance and they bought a company called Jovian and the Jovian bought a company called TU Wealth. So I worked for the TU Wealth. Um, okay. they're, they're just an amazing crew, very yeah. client oriented, yeah, just super nice people, very small, you know, collective, but they, they are just, you know, just made put me on and really gave me the opportunity and never even asked me where I went. Uh, or what degree I had. I didn't have a degree. I don't even have a degree right now. I have a college diploma. Uh, they didn't care. They gave me, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the opportunity to be there. And so I, I learned a lot. Um, but um, really LinkedIn and, 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 and outreach by email is what allowed me to do that. I see. And, you know, I remember you and I talked about it before the podcast. You were going to ask me some tough questions. So I'm still waiting for tough questions to come. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this much. You know, not a single person should be spending an hour or more than an hour on their resume these days. You should be spending all your time beefing up your LinkedIn presence if you want to get a job. There is no need for, you know, you know, CV or whatever. Does that, what does that stand for? I don't even know what that stands for, CV. And you, people, like, nobody will read the, uh, you know, four-page, you know, documentary on you volunteering at the, at the pet shelter. Nobody gives a fuck. You know, go on LinkedIn. They do, though, be, that Dean, the problem is the gatekeepers, we talked about those three gatekeepers for the registration, but there's bigger, the bigger gatekeeper. But, you know, to your point, I get it. And there's so many free resources, right? When people write, I need a coach to help me put a resume together, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because first of all, there's a lot of free resources. And second of all, no matter what you put on that CV or resume, um, there's so the auto detect, the ATS or whatever it's called. Like, mm -hmm, it'll mm -hmm. just, it doesn't matter if you fake it, it doesn't matter. So, you know, that you can put all kinds of it things doesn't, on it. It doesn't matter, but I'll tell you, Alan, uh, your job as a, as a, as an, you know, prospective employees never have to have to go through the ATS and that system. See, this is what a lot of people get wrong. A lot of schools and colleges. Now, again, I went to Seneca. I'm not going to shit too much on, you know, education system, although I should and probably I will when I get more credibility on the street. Yeah. But a lot of traditional education is focused on you fitting into the system, meaning let's get all the keywords right. Let's make sure you submit it on time. You know, make sure it's the right formats. And, you, you know, those keywords get translated into, you know, job match. And then you get invited. And here's how you navigate the three-part, you know, interview problem. And then you get a job. Can I tell you something? I never had a job interview in my life. I never had a job. I never submitted a resume to an automated system in my life. I had a job before I walked into that office. And that's how much you know how how much more powerful it is to just reach out to people and and, and talk to them and meet them on a personal level. Um, the, no, but that, that was my point. I mean, that's it exactly. So if you get all those words right and, and you get to the interview and you can't pass, you don't even like you didn't need the interview because they already knew you. And they already hired. They already hired somebody else. By the time you get there, if you get there, they already hired somebody else. It's it's, it's so rare that you know maybe bigger companies do it differently. But the, you know if you're talking one to a hundred employees. It's most likely person they already know who they, who they want to hire or they have relationships with somebody yeah, that can yeah. you know yeah so anyways big but highlight so there's two things there's one thing that can come that if you look at since we're talking about that the ninety percent maybe more maybe it's ninety ninety two point seven percent of the software out there the SaaS is yeah. available for two people the mm -hmm. HR manager uh, so to help their job better like finding and you know finding candidates sure. and all that. And the second is recruiting, the recruiting firm. So the software out there, the majority of it, I don't know if you've looked at this and I, I, I don't have a case study or anything like that, but I think my informal view over the last three to four years is it's really geared not to the candidate or the, the, the job seeker, but the, the job who's looking to hire. Well, they, because who's paying the bill? Right, like the you know the candidate will not pay the bill for the software, and so the recruiter pays the bill, and so recruiter. Yeah. Now you're in this very broken process, very broken, pro very you know where you know recruiters are. Um, they get the tech that they ask for, but the whole system is just going the wrong way. It's just you're not keeping up with the times. Um, you know, I, I just want to give, you know, a little bit of empowerment to people listening. If you want to get a job tomorrow or next month or whatever, say you want to be a graphic designer. 
um, go start graphic designing and then start posting that on LinkedIn every day and showing different pages or different, you know, pieces of the software that you've designed or, you know, if you're creating more of a, you know, other graphics, you start posting, start talking about your journey of learning, start putting out content, man. If you, if you're, if you don't exist on social media, then especially on LinkedIn, where, you know, you can very easily, you know, yeah. round, round up 10 companies you want to work for, connect with their decision makers. Come and start on, Vadim, the guy that introduced us, was it, wait, was it Josh? Who's, I think, you know, we got introduced by Trevor. Okay, so Trevor Bergeron. Okay, Trevor's in, a, okay. But Josh Udall, uh, who's on, and I'm just going, I was just going to give you that. He, he's, he's gone in depth. He's learned coding himself, right? Or was that Trevor? No, Trevor. Trevor, Trevor did. Bergeron. Trevor mm -hmm. learned coding on his own. He's an engineer, right? Yeah, he just yeah. said, I'm going to learn engineering. So, you know, I have many podcasts where people just went and learned it, what you said. Thank you for saying that. And you give, you know, the credibility or whatever you want to call it. The people are gone and done what you just said. But mm -hmm. it's rare, right? The Trevor Bergeron's of the world are rare. He's not, oh, yeah, he's got the, he's got stock algos, right? Stock yes, algos. that's the guy. And, the, you know, funny, funny story. You know, we were learning how to code together. I am a self-code too. So we, you and I, you know, him and him and I were in the same office. We're learning how to code and, and, and that's it. You'll never have to look back because that's the most valuable piece of skill set you can ever learn yeah. these days anyways, how to code. But, you know, to your point, you know, 90% or 99%, whatever the number you want to assign to that, it's just because they, they don't teach that. I, you know, I, there's two things that they should be teaching in schools, right? Okay. Like I, I'm, I'm going to be done, you know, sh sh shitting at the traditional educational system right after this statement. No, you're not. No, but you're they, not. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me say this. Let me say this. There's two things that they should be teaching. A, how to use technology to get jobs or get, you know, where you want to be. And that's not the traditional resume. And B, if you're an immigrant like me, right? start teaching how to navigate the immigration system for once, okay? Like there's no reason why I could be taking zombie apocalypse elective course and paying a thousand dollars for that versus if they could just create, hey, Vadim, you're you know immigrant from Eastern Europe, here's what you should be doing. And by the way, you get five hours with the immigration lawyer to consult you on different paperwork and how to fill out and how to- Vadim, to that point, I was, I, there's somebody in, in San Francisco, Indian nationals, they raised a ton of money to help the immigrants navigate loans and other process of living. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? The guy wrote, and I'm reading this. I'll find that for you. You read, if you read this, what, his funding announcement from TechCrunch, he's like, it says exactly this. You go through hoops and hurdles, uh, jumping upside down to get to Canada or to the mm -hmm. US. You, you checked all the boxes and then you're driving taxi, mm -hmm. right? Because when you get here, there's no one to say, all right, thank you for that. And you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're onto something very important. You're, you're driving a taxi or you uh, wait tables for seven years, stretching your work permits and trying to get part-time courses because that's how you can stay in Canada. And at some point, the luck is just going to run out and you're going to get busted or you're just going to you know, run out of money and you'll have to come back. There is, very, there is no clear education around how to navigate the... Uh, immigration uh, components, which I, you know, I, I, I argue Canada, US very similarly, you know, there are a lot of people coming from, from overseas. And so I think that's just the, uh, something no, that it's, it, it, you're not taught how to navigate it. So I don't taxi driver, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, the very first time I was in Boston, mm -hmm. 19, I wrote the exam for the, you, you've got CFA here, right? And we're going to talk about that in a second. And I went there to write, uh, was the CPA reciprocity, the Canadian to the US. Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. was 98. We're talking, mm -hmm. I flew from Kazakhstan, right? I flew, mm -hmm. where Borat, mm -hmm. Borat and I were on the same plane. No, I flew from Kazakhstan, <laughs> right? To go to Boston to write this Kaplan Center test center. And the first taxi driver was a Russian speaker. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, now it's different. Like the first taxi driver, you'll see is an Indian or whatever, <laughs> you know, or Filipino, whatever. But I'm telling you, I go back to that. That's just, it, you, you got to make a living. You got to work. So listen to this, read this. I'll, I'll just read this for you. You'll get sure. it. Ap this is APNA. It's called APNA. And they're in, um, they raised, how much did they raise? 12 million series B, right? Low skilled workers such as drivers, delivery personnel, electricians, and beauticians have joined. AI understands cultural nuances, helping recruiters find best candidates. So these guys have gone and figured it out that you, and they, this is that article where they just said for APNA, they just raised, they just found a problem and they went right to it. They just said that we're going to go figure this out for people just like ourselves. 
So there's a person in my network, Josh Sheshno, he works on Visso AI and they are doing a very similar thing where, you know, if you're an immigrant and you want to figure out what program to qualify for, because yeah. that's another problem. Like it's not one door, you get 15 Thousands. doors leading into hundreds yeah. of hallways leading to a maze of different options. You know, do you want to, you know, you want to work for a farm, you know, on the farm in Winnipeg? Maybe that's the fastest way for you to immigrate. Or are you going to, you know, you can go into IT or you can, you know. Oh, and so every, talking about before they even come to Canada. Oh, and even after Canada, because a lot oh, of people yeah. just don't get enough points. But to yeah. your point, yes, a lot of that decision needs to happen before coming to Canada. Guess what they do? They, they're on forums. My parents were on forums. I was on forums. We're reading other Russian speaking people, you know, telling us what to do and yeah, how they've yeah, done yeah, yeah. it. But the things change every year. Things change and, you know, yeah. the requirements change. I think this year they've invited a record number of permanent residents to come to Canada, you know, before you could not dream of having one year of education and qualifying for PR. Now it's a possibility. But how do you navigate that constantly shifting uh, 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 landscape? And so, you know, I really feel like there should be a better There's a way. huge opportunity. I think it's not to disrupt it's to help right because disruptions like whatever earth-shaking new new app or whatever there's thousands of millions of apps out there it's finding that little thing to help a ton of people do the same thing over and over again right what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and again mm -hmm. hoping you get there's a different result in this case doing the same thing over and over again and giving all those people the help but this is the same i found a lot of my podcast guests have, have talked about you know government grants Mm -hmm. and how to navigate that mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. and back mm -hmm. to your the ontario three people <laughs> for the <laughs> registry there's the same kind of three or four people who run around here in alberta i don't know if it's like that in ontario helping people with government grants but that's very coveted mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i would love to have the secret sauce and post it on my website post that on on your website where we show people give them the, that secret sauce so that it can help them right Kind of like the do-it-yourself and i really truly think that you know a lot of things are going into that direction i mean there's always uh two categories of people people that want to do it themselves and they are you know you can provide them all the education in the world and then they'll learn and do it themselves and i just yeah. wish that you know all these things that we're doing was also geared and open to that because really where the government is coming from is hey you're not going to do it yourself anyways might as well outsource this to a company that's going to make a profit on helping you but, you know, some people are choosing to do it themselves. For example, when I came to Canada, we applied for our own paperwork. I never hired an immigration lawyer. You don't need an immigration lawyer to come uh, to Canada. Um, we, but we spent you know, ridiculous amounts of time research, researching and, sure. and, and, and learning all that. But you can do it yourself. There's an enormous amount of consultants that charge for, you know, just fill out the paperwork and then they fail you and they, you know, negligence is a thing. And, you, you know, they don't get anything because, you know, it's not even regulated properly. Um, yeah. But, you know, you you get disbarred from the country for for a lifetime or for 10 years. And, you know, it's it's just bad. It's just bad with me. You know, maybe let's but opportunity. So but everything you've just said, it's like could, if you could give them the template and it changes every year. Right. So then the API, if you linked it, if the government had that, I don't know, there's somebody somebody protecting something there. You know, maybe they're not they're just the IT guys, maybe keeping it his job who's working for the government. And they don't their systems are archaic. They have to be if they can't link to someone like you who, who's starting up a, you know, a business to help other businesses, right? And well, I don't know what, I, I don't know what country, Lithuania or another, those Eastern European country, uh, they got very... Estonia, there you go. Fully digital government, right? Like they're yeah. not, they're not fucking around. This e is e-government, uh, e e-government. Right? And, 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 and then their neighbors, Poland, which is where my mom is right now, you know, she can't even get a work permit approved online. She has to physically drive to the office in 2021 physically drive to the office, fill out the paperwork in Polish language, no. and then get a get a, a work permit, uh, you know, mailed to her 30 days later. And you're sitting at home for 30 days, wondering if you can start looking for a job or if they're going to reject you or whatever. Uh, it's, it's just terrible. Um, so. so that, you know, there's the white space or the open space. You know, I don't know if you know Wayne Gretzky. I'm sure you've heard of Wayne Gretzky. I've heard of him. <laughs> so I did, I wrote an article a few, a couple of years ago on the open spaces, Mm -hmm. in sort of tech right mm -hmm. and one of them was there was two i'll just tell you where this goes but literally i, I saw because i was spent a lot of time in india not in india but physically but virtually in comparing to the us and Can and uh, india at that time two years ago it was about cybersecurity. i saw a disproportionate amount of cybersecurity in the us and europe and z and very little in india and i think the other one was real estate and so i did i wrote an article about open spaces right and kind of finding that open space and I looked at, and I said, Gretzky did a great job because he did, he did phenomenal. Like I, I didn't, I ignored it as a Calgarian for the longest time, Vadim. 
And then when I went and looked at his records, they were just incredible. So I wrote the article, I'm like, find those open spaces in tech or, or what you've just described, probably four or five business opportunities. If someone can just find that, you know, to get in there and dig, dig through those open spaces. But I'll tell you another thing is that there's a lot of reasons why this is not happening. And one of those is regulation. So for example, in Canada, you know, if you're not a licensed lawyer, you cannot create a technology that can help other people with the lawyer-like service. So, you know, there is a organization that's looking out for companies that are trying to do them. And then their entire focus is to shut them down. Now, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with somebody or, you know, how, how do you deal with the, with an environment where, you, you know, post. you, you, you post. Yeah. Yeah. You go and do the research and post, right? You just do a thousand posts, like a Gary Vaynerchuk thing. Like you said about the graphic arts guy, go and learn it and post it, right? It's just That's the only way to get around it. You create a mode of all this information. It's like, <laughs> that even knows what he's talking about. He did a thousand posts, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, but if you're building it. You're not going to incorporate. You're just going to give that information. You find it out, post it. You find it out, you post it, right? Yeah, but what's the business model? What's the incentive to keep going? Or not even an incentive, because the incentive could be really, you know, uh, um, um, just between me and that person or just the way I feel, my personal journey. But, but what's know. the monetary sustainable mechanism for this? No, no, I mean, obviously, obviously you got to have something on the side. That's like a side gig, right? That's yeah, something you yeah, do on the yeah. weekends because you just, you just want to prove a point. But then, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a waste of time, but yeah. So, so what? Do you, yeah, no. Let me ask you a question. So, what are you like? You know, all the people you're interviewing and every you know, all these amazing you know entrepreneurs you had on your podcast. Like, what are you? What are the trends you're seeing right now in tech or in entrepreneurship? What are you, how how are how are things progressing? Because I'm really curious to learn from you, um, in terms of like COVID impact on entrepreneurship and like what their number one comment was. Like, is there something that maybe you've given thought about? You know, interviewing maybe 50 plus people and everybody says the same thing. Like, is there anything anything you want to share? Yeah, I mean, early COVID, I had a lot of, there was a lot of trends of just pivoting, you know, obviously pivoting online. Um, and then just e-commerce was, you know, people started a bit like, you know, pivoting, people pivoted, they had to pivot. That was a, that was a kind of a common theme. We pivoted to online and our business blew up, right? Um, because they, they, they were the pre-COVID, they were online already. Mm -hmm. You know, I, 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 I used to think I had trends. In early COVID, I did, that people, I, they would thrive. They weren't just surviving, they were thriving. Um, I think since, since the last you know, time has passed, um, just adopting tech, right? Adopting pieces of tech, using social media more, understanding some of that. I had Candice Rat, uh, Gatsky on the other, with Earth and Fire, uh, Earth and Flowers, right? And she said, this virtual market sprung up um, here in Calgary to get for, for local. And so 20,000 Facebook plus members but I, I, during pre-COVID, I joined all these, these Facebook groups mm -hmm. and I got very, you know, I thought, oh, this is great. I'll get them podcast guests and I'll really understand small business. <laughs> those, those groups were just, I got to say that, you know, they're not here to slag them. I'm just like, they were just, they're all kind of two or 3,000, didn't really go anywhere with it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I heard, when Tannis mentioned this virtual market, it's called virtual market. I'm like, wow. So I think, I, I can't really say trends or anything, but it, there's just a lot People have a lot, they're just really grinding it out, finding ways to get their business, you know, get their customers, finding ways to really do business. And that, I think that's it. It's the creativity. I think that's the common thread. The creativity, it's forced to be a lot, create a lot of the businesses and people I've talked to, to be very creative. You know, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, I was uh, listening to I, uh, Barbara Corcoran, uh, Corcoran from Shark Tank was uh, talking about her investments and one of these companies, they were selling lobsters. And I think they had a restaurant or something. And obviously that's a no-go, you know, after COVID. So <laughs> what did they do? They created a fleet of trucks, food trucks, driving the same food, delivering lobsters. And the way they did it was utilizing uh, parking lots. So you can, you know, drive up to, oh, you can yeah, walk, walk. Yeah. They'll, they'll let you know where they, they're going to be. So that, you know, Young and Shepherd are, you know, uh, <laughs> coming up, uh, you know, in 30 minutes, we'll be there and line up in the parking lot, get your lobster, and then they're on the nice. way to the next parking lot. I love that. That to me screams innovation. But also, do you think they're going to go back to the restaurant business after the COVID is done? I doubt that. Um, it's just- No, but that, that's the point, right? So COVID, some early COVID podcasts I listened to, kind of what you just said, People that were selling the restaurants, they had to pivot and go direct to consumer. So suddenly they just opened up a new way, a new avenue, right? So when you go back to, you know, because of post-COVID or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. they're just going to have a new, you've got two new business streams, right? Two business models. I had, mm -hmm. 
I had uh, the girl from she's uh, Judith Virag. She's from from, from Hungary, from from Budapest, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she's clean club, clean club Calgary. And she said, just pre-COVID, I was you know debating whether I should go both uh, residential and commercial, right? Cleaning, and of course, what happened to COVID, right? That yeah. one 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 shut down, people stopped having the home, but she luckily she had kept commercial up mm -hmm. um, as a, as a business line. And that boom, she says, like during COVID, it kind of boomed because the people need their offices cleaned, even mm -hmm. though they weren't there, or the business, whatever it was, right? I can't mm -hmm. remember the note, but she just said, luckily, I, I went and kept, I had this kind of diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, yeah, I think. Well, I think well, one of my clients, one, not clients, sorry, uh, one of my entrepreneurial friends that yeah. you know, I, I really wanted to work with at, you know, at some point and you know, still, still do, but you know, they, they essentially were doing a food delivery to uh, commercial office spaces and it's basically a batching. So one driver delivers 20 uh, meals at the time, massive cost reduction. You don't pay $5 to Uber, you pay something like 10 cents or something yeah, per yeah. delivery. For, it's, it's massive. And, the, and the, you know, the, the, the meals, because there's only five meals per restaurant that they you know, predefined for, for the upcoming lunch, like they, they could just reduce cost dramatically. Anyways, so they were delivering food to office spaces. Obviously, March comes, not, none of that exists anymore. Nobody goes to the office. Well, they pivoted to residential. Now they're delivering food in batches to, you know, uh, condominium and apartment buildings in, in yep. like very tight areas of the city where you know they can control that uh, at scale and so you know they, I I just love how resiliency uh, really you know demands you to be creative but how after you know after you get that creative you, you really push to be creative but when you do you know you have a real reason to and then when you figure something out something new you know that that, that creates innovation and, and progress and and yeah I, I'm, I'm you know hundreds of use cases where you know during COVID people just realize wow we can do this differently and they're not coming back to uh, yeah you, you should speak to you should speak to Raza Jaffrey. Uh, he was on my podcast last year around this time. Uh, it's from 3D Cityscapes in Toronto. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and he said, we, COVID hit. And suddenly, you know, because we couldn't go to the, to the property development, the sites, people were asking him for the designs because they do the 3D, they can solve mm -hmm, 3D and all mm -hmm. that. And so they got really busy because <laughs> people needed to see, they need to see those, the, site, the virtual visits or whatever. But, you know, it's... It, you know these things happen that i think people got complacent and there was there's a lot of stories where people didn't have an e-commerce site they didn't have any digital presence right i don't know do you have any examples where somebody came to you and said vadim we need to pivot because we don't have any digital presence Do you have any examples like that but you know it's crazy because i i go back to uh you know some of the services that i was you know using or 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 or, or trying to use like you know yeah. this one time was trying to book like a, a massage therapy and you know the website just wasn't accepting online reservations and you got a you know pet store or like a pet you know like a like a like a like a, a, a animal clinic that you know they could only do over the phone and you yeah. know and you're doing research and you're reading and wasting so much time and all you know I wish it was so much simpler where, you know, real time, you get the pricing, like some of them wouldn't even give the quote, you know, you do catering business, they don't tell you how much is it going to cost to serve, you know, preset uh, uh, number of meals for a number of people. It's just crazy how, you know, how complacent to your point people became. Um, but I was really thinking about it actually the other day and like, what would I do if I was a restaurant? What, what, cause I, you know, I took a walk and I, uh, saw a lot of places closed and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying to myself, you know, if I was, you know, one of these big franchises or even small, you know, corner shop, like, you know, step number one, you just negotiate your lease to, you know, completely cancel your lease. Cause you know, get the government to cover that. Cause in most cases you could, um, uh, get a rent reduction or just get out of your contract. And then yeah. the second thing yeah. is just like pivot and just get a food truck. You know, you, you can, you know, you can rent a commercial kitchen somewhere. Like it's not complicated to move your fully retail oriented restaurant into a completely re remote, um, you know, direct to consumer um, um, uh, business model, but you just need to do it. It's the action that is painful. It's realizing, oh crap, I need to cancel my lease. Oh crap, you know, the 50 years in business that we've developed and everybody at this intersection or this community knows about our little pizza store and people come there every Friday and sit and sip wine. Maybe it's not gonna happen anymore. It's painful, but it's execution. It's action that a lot of people take. And I think that, you know, the younger you are, the, the younger your business is, it's easier to do it when you get up there, when yeah. you've been around for so many years, it's harder. So I'm empathetic to that. But at the same time, you know, just to just, you know, creating a food truck delivery, just similarly to that lobster company. But I saw before pre-COVID, you know, probably that you heard the cloud kitchens that were mm -hmm, happening in China mm -hmm. and India. They were, it was starting to, to grow. And I remember people scoffing at that. I'd be reading, 
you know, they re- I was reading about it and and sort of the tech news just before COVID, and people were like, yeah, no, no, it's just not going to take off. And then, but that's that seemed to be the norm today, right? These these kitchens have been closed multiple times. People need to. There's got they got to make up for lost time. I think best for me that the best way is when the delivery is one, but in other words, to to share those kitchens, not a culinary workspace, but a an actual kitchen and 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 create some markets where you share the. You know what I mean? That maybe the Chinese one day, Russian the next day, Russian meal, Ukrainian, Ukrainian, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you create this market, a, a real kitchen in the community. You know, what about the car lots? Why are they not opening up some of the car lots? Like the car lots are, they're full of inventories, but the used car lots, nobody's selling anyone online. I'm saying, mm-hmm. I said to the car dealership here, I said, your used car lot is empty. Why not open up to the farmer's markets? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we used to have it for whatever one restaurant. Mm-hmm. I said, get 29 restaurants in your, in this community, Northeast Calgary, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and get them on that car lot every Saturday mm-hmm. and, and have a profile on social media. Yeah, yes. well, if we do it for one car lot, we're going to do it for the other ones. Well, just do start for one. <laughs> start one and have a farmer's market every weekend as much as you can, COVID, COVID spacings aside or whatever, right? I think the, you know, the biggest sort of uh, realization that a lot of people had was just how powerful social media is. I mean, literally the entire Coast Core business model is based on predominantly posting on social media about what we do and not selling, not trying to DM people, say, hey, buy my stuff, you know, but really just inviting people to follow your journey and, you know, explaining to them different options and educating them. I mean, if any of those parking lots, you know, started together, maybe, you know, a Facebook group or whatever, Instagram account where, you know, parking lots, you know, farmermarketparkinglots.ca. And there you are, you have all the parking lots that do farmer markets on Saturdays. And then they, you know, take pictures, you know, or odd stuff or interesting new stuff. Park your pots here, right? Park your pot here. You know what I mean? <laughs> park the pot, parking pot, uh, parking pots. Parking right? pots. I love then, that. These, these parking pots are full. What do you mean? Isn't it? Is that a misspelled? No, it's a pot, right? <laughs> and you just go with it. And people are bringing their pots. You know, the potluck supper. That's a yeah, Canadian yeah, thing, yeah. right? The potluck supper. The Zuloni Bazaar. I lived in Kiev, right next to the Zuloni Bazaar, and it's a thriving hub of mm-hmm. the former Soviet Union. Almost every Tajikistan. I was in Dushanbe, right? Mm-hmm. The green market is the thing, the place to go on on the weekends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Create that, create that environment. Like you said, a virtually online, and you create a thing where you make a spelling error, and like, oh wait, didn't he mean this? No, it's 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 pots, right, or whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. So I like that. So you've got your own podcast. Tell me about it's. Tell us a little bit. Tell me a little bit about that. Forget the listeners, but just me. <laughs> well, I want to tell the listeners as well, and. Uh, yeah, you know, 1.30 a.m., which is the name. It's a brainchild of me sort of staring at the ceiling at 1.30 a.m. for so many days in a row, trying to get my business off the ground and yeah. having to educate myself on, you know, the industry that I was not, you know, born into or, you know, didn't have a professional background in, the legal tech and just incorporating businesses. But, you know, yeah. um, you know, having to, you know, really learn the ins and outs and, and then customer rejections and, you know, the customers are not signing up fast enough and all these things. And then I realized... Well, other people are probably going through the same challenges as well. As well. Um, you know, we're hearing a lot of success stories, billion dollar raises, having, yeah, yeah. you know, um, hundreds of But that's your failures, people. right? This is like, the, I love this. So you were talking about it earlier, but this is it. You're like, how, how, what are other people doing? They're not all raising a billion, a billion dollars. Well, how do they get there? Because we usually call it an overnight success, but sometimes it's an overnight success 10 years in the making. I am interested yeah. in the first nine. I am really, nice. like my biggest motivation uh, you know, is to know that Mark Zuckerberg failed at his first, you know, idea, the yeah. groundhog or whatever it was. Um, um, uh, you know, my biggest, you know, reassurance is that, you know, uh, uh, Ray Kroc was 50 something when he started McDonald's. Yes. Right? You know, like, he was selling milkshake machines. He was selling milkshake machines to this restaurant. He went there and he's like, why are they, they wanted two. Everyone else only got one. Right. And he wanted to know why they were ordering two, so he went down. Hey, I, I I I want to know more of that. See, like I'm not I'm not interested to get an advice from Mark Zuckerberg today because he's a billionaire and he's got massive network. And honestly, he will not be able to relate to my issues of you know starting a company and you know in 2021 and nominate you know navigating a, a you know COVID you know um, um, reality and 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 how to do it today. So you know I'm obsessed with connecting people that are in the same boat. 
maybe slightly ahead of where I am. Maybe they're, you know, several months ahead of me. Maybe they launched their company in 2020 and I launched mine in, you know, 2021 and I want to learn what's going on. But I also want to expose and not expose the wrong word. I want to highlight, I want to celebrate the failures. I want to really reassure people that for you to get to that product market fit, you need to go through a lot of iterations and it's okay. And, you know, it's not going to work out on your first try. So why don't we get together and interview all the thought leaders, all the successful entrepreneurs, all the thriving founders, and really ask them, how did you navigate the downside, the downturns? What were your biggest challenges? What was the cost of, you know, growing, go, you know, growing business and, and, and the sacrifices that you had to potentially make with family and friends and, you know, even tough business decisions. And maybe you, you know, defaulted on, you know, your, your loan and you went bankrupt and now you can't borrow money. And you, you know, there's so much going on behind so you the have, scenes. Give, us, give me an example from one of your podcasts where you just sort of said, wow. Where you're like, wow, that really could, could resonate or could help others. I interviewed, one? and I got a lot of shit for that, and I don't appreciate it, but I interviewed a founder of Plans Well two episodes ago, and the guy raised $4 million in 40 minutes, nice. went on to build a massive company, and because of a uh, alleged, and I'm going to underscore that, alleged sexual harassment allegation within the workplace, they went down to zero. It wasn't his, you know, it wasn't him, it was somebody else and somebody yeah. else was, you know, consensually dating somebody else. And then that person came out and said it wasn't consensual. And there's just a lot of things that happened. Um, and I was interviewing him, the guy, you know, the guy spent, the guy started probably about 15 businesses that failed. He finally got onto this uh, uh, track to start a business, uh, which was plans well, the uh, democratizing access to, you know, every Canadian having a, you know, sound financial plan. Uh, affordably done for them. Um, And uh, they went down to zero and he had to rebuild his company. And, you know, he started his company in 2015. He went down to zero in 2019 and 2020, he had to relaunch. So I, I was listening and I, I I would, I I wouldn't interrupt that, uh, you know, story because I really wanted to learn. Uh, and I'm glad I did. Again, I don't know what really happened. I don't want to be, you know, swaying my opinion in one way or the other. I'm sympathetic to all people involved in that um, uh, accident. But you asked me for something really big. I'm giving it to you. It's a, uh, it's it's <laughs> no, a story no, of. Go- you know, of- I guess it, there's no, you know, the failure to, or what is it? The 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 secret to success. People looking for that. It's like they talk about the casino and you know the oh, beginner's luck, right? That's what it is. Because the ones who don't win, they don't talk about the, the losses, mm-hmm. the, the, the thousands of people that lose. You know, the, the failures are the ones that get put up on the, on, the, on the pedestal. And it's the people that grind it out and are just trying to, like, I'm, I have a lot of examples of them where they're just making it through. They're, they're just doing this. They're having fun. They're enjoying it. You know, my podcast. And then something, something hits. And they're like, I, you know, Milk Jar Candle Company. I, you know, she literally was saying, she says, COVID hit and I was already online and then people that they needed gifts and things. And, and so COVID hit and it, re- it really worked out well. Um, you know, listen to Ashley Stenhauer. She's like making jams in her kitchen. And mm-hmm. it went from making jams in your kitchen to these big, we we're talking about hot tub size. She's like, yeah, it's just hot tub size. Um, uh, now we make it in these big vats. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she was just talking about during COVID hit and I had to go and get sugar. And I was like, People were like looking at me thinking I'm, you know, how today, like the gasoline in the U.S. or getting toilet paper. She's like, I'm getting sugar. And people get, I get these weird looks at Costco. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, you know, just to kind of, you know, again, come back to what you said, you know, I I truly believe that these are the most successful people that are usually comfortable with admitting the failures. I mean, look, Elon Musk coming out saying he's got um, um, this disability and yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I wish more people talked about that because we are used to having this perfect, you know, a, a person on the pedestal, look at Steve Jobs, nobody could say bad things about him. Uh, but it's only after his death that we realized that he was actually an asshole. Everybody knew that, right? But, you know, just realizing what he was putting his people through and how much of a family sacrifice he made and all that, like nobody talks about that. And I, and I'm, you know, the reason why I'm reading all these books and I got a, you know, pretty, pretty uh, a crowded bookshelf, I wish, we, you know, we were on video so I could show this to you, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's all these stories filled with failure that really really allowed me to you know build my build my business patiently over the past seven years and not give up on the first client you know client projecting or saying it's stupid or whatever.
whatever, not believing in my idea because I knew it it worked out it worked out the same way for all these other people. And so, for all of you guys listening, you know, guys and girls, uh, you know, if if you're starting a business right now, the biggest thing you can you can you can bet on is the resiliency. It's really people staying in the game the longest that end up succeeding. Not the most well connected, not the smartest, not the best funded. I know hundreds of examples and hundreds of thousands of examples of you know hundred million dollar. Uh, companies that are, you know, got funded, you know, and, you know, went down to zero and people that have IQ, you know, above, you know, uh, the um, smartest people on earth couldn't ex execute properly. And, you know, the, the most well-connected completely got the product right, wrong. Um, it, it's really the resilience. You need to stay in the game for years before it starts happening for you. So be prepared for that. It's not going to happen overnight. And there is no, and there's another thing, there is no recipe. There's as many different ways to succeed and fail as there are people on this earth. You can be an amazing operator and never show your face on social media and drive billions and millions of dollars in business. Similarly, you can be a public figure and, 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 and post daily on, on social media and let somebody else do the behind the scenes work. There's unlimited amounts of recipe, unlimited number of recipes and, and ways to do things. You, you just need to find yours, uh, believe in yourself. So not think that, you know, you should be doing it the same way that Elon Musk did, or otherwise you're never going to build SpaceX. You could build SpaceX, not being Elon Musk, and that's fine. Just believe in yourself. You know, uh, I realize what your strengths are. Don't worry too much about your weaknesses. Hire people that can complement your skill set um, and patience, and just stay in the game. Stay in the game, and you'll succeed. But what, Vadim? I just want to give one last because I think you did some work with Mars, the Mars Discovery. What, mm -hmm. Can you just shed some light on that? Because I've I've seen the name out there. Who's behind? Is it University of Toronto or something like that? So it's the joint initiative. I don't know exactly the structure, but I know you back in the day it was University of Toronto and the province of Ontario, I believe, got together and they created this, uh, you know, for healthcare research and then. Uh, you know, they over time pivoted more into entrepreneurship and still have a very solid, you know, healthcare research. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, it's essentially right now what they do is they support entrepreneurs for free when you're starting out. And I, got, I think they got like a bunch of tiers where, you know, if you're early stage, they'll give you advice. If you're, you know, later stage, they'll give you funding and access mm -hmm. to investors and even customer introductions. But you, you, you know, you hit on something really important um, there, uh, uh, Alan, is that there is a lot of, there's a massive uh, community and massive support network that exists today that didn't exist when Elon Musk and Steve Jobs started out. I mean, there was no venture capital when, you know, uh, yeah. Intel started like they, you know, the Fairchild guys were basically bankers, you know, deciding where, you know, who to invest. And there was no, no such concept as venture capital. These days, you know, you've got an idea, you can raise money. You've got that compelling background and, and, and an understanding of a problem. You can raise money, you know, you can, you can do so much. So, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's funny that you say that, that although there's, there's so many resources available, I, I, I had a, it was either on the podcast or off the podcast. And I had, had a discussion with an entrepreneur and she said, I think it was she, that there's so many of these meetings, you go here to there, you sell the pitch and then you get, somebody gives you advice and you go to the next one and you find yourself just inundated with ideas, uh, not necessarily related to your business. Mm -hmm. And you just got, they got too much. Those, yeah. Those those excess those resources suddenly there's just too much out there versus back to the your point of in the early days there wasn't and then people just got it and did it. I, how do you find the balance? What do you say to businesses then? There's I got a so perfect many accelerators out there. I got a perfect answer for you, Alan. Focus on your business. Don't worry about other things. It's when you have traction and clients, investors yeah. will come to you. When you have you know, conviction in the problem, the product will materialize. You should be focusing 100% of your time on your customers, not building products, landing pages, raising, you know, attending pitch competitions, all that's going to come later. You focus on your customers, solve one client problem really well, and then, and then try to scale that. And I guarantee, you know, investors are much more interested in funding companies um, that are confident in what they do rather than companies that are running around trying to find a problem to solve. Um, that's where you get into a situation where everybody gives different advice and they all try to encourage you to go into different direction. Yeah. Um, so just Good. focus on your business. That's what I would recommend. So Vadim, you mentioned a little bit about social media. How is it working for you and any, any advice for people out there on social media and, and whatever broad strokes on that one. You 
I, I can give you, you know, some some good advice on the um, um, on the B two B side of things. Um, you know, I wasn't born into social media naturally. Like I, you know, even in the early days, I'm, I'm sure you know, in Ukraine, Russia, we had Contacte, which was a clone of Facebook. Contact.ru. Contact.ru. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was, yeah, I never really enjoyed being on it for personal reasons. But it's really when I started a business, I started enjoying being on social media because you could get across to customers and, and partners and investors much, much easier um, by just, you know, creating that exposure for yourself. So what I would do, you know, what I, what I do and what I recommend, you know, companies that I work with, at least in the B2B spaces, look like post about what you're doing. Don't try to post, here's, you know, our raise, here's our new client, post about everything. I'm thinking about this idea. I just did this. I, you know, I've created a new landing page, check out my website, you know, give me some feedback, you know, um, post your observations, post your ideas, be active, show your face because the, the, the age of quote unquote faceless corporations uh, is, is, is behind us. I mean, you know, big companies still get away with this because of the market uh, dynamic, market dominance that they have. Yeah. Yeah. But you're starting out, people are buying from people. People are doing business with friends. Remember that it's all about relationships and the best way to do it is by showing your face, coming on video. Hey guys, Vadim here, I'm building CoSquare. We help companies incorporate. If you're struggling to register a business in Ontario and you want some advice, I've been an entrepreneur for seven years. I can jump on the call with you tomorrow and walk you through the process. Hit me up, Vadim at CoSquare.co. I can get more business by doing that all day than I will ever by, you know, uh, putting out case studies and white papers and all that. And it's just, it's just about a person. I am, I only created a co-score page on, on social media after a long period of time, but initially it was all me. It was Vadim Lidditch posting about what I'm working on. And that's how things went down for years uh, yeah. before I even tried to do something more of a for, more formal. And even right now, this is another example I'm seeing emails that I'm sending personally get way better responses than automated sequences that I'm, I am writing myself. So even though the writing is mine, I wrote it, I created it, <laughs> I scheduled it myself, the response yeah. is similar because you can sense it. It's the consens- con- con- contextual um, 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 misconnection mis- mis- or, you know, uh, little gaps there that you, you really, you realize it's an automated email because the person just, you know, created something so generic and didn't, you know, didn't. What's funny to that point though, okay. So businesses write emails and they write some pretty good content in there. And, and uh, in order to share that, there's too much friction. And I, and I came across a, a many examples. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I share this? Because you don't, so I, go to their, I go to their LinkedIn page or their social media page and that information is not on. I get it. I understand you're doing curated emails and you want, but I'm like, I'm sorry, that should be, I'll do the Gary Vee thing where that content goes on 50 different, your 50 pieces of content emails one and if you got seven things in there that just creates seven seven times three different whatever websites you use or social media right and you and you and you're you know 100 right but you know for people that don't have the bandwidth to you know produce content and that's fine you know some people just have that mental blockage on one of them like i'm not going to be able to pump out content daily sometimes and sometimes yeah, i can yeah, do sure. seven pieces in an hour and that's fine right but start with yourself start with hi yeah, i yeah, am yeah. i am the person i am delivering content you're getting it from me when you're paying my company, you're paying me when you're hiring us, you're hiring me. That is so much more powerful. Yeah, like if that. you can tweak that, if you can just say, look, instead of saying CoSquare will do it for you, say, I will do it with you. Just, you know, I'm part of CoSquare. I'm running CoSquare, whatever your company, just flip it, flip the model, come to it from a one to one, make customers. My girlfriend said that I really loved her for that. Uh, I love her for other things too, but she really said this. Uh, every customer should, should feel like they're your only customer. I truly believe that. Scale the unscalable. If you need to uh, take all your time just to talk to people and reply within 15 minutes of them texting you. Again, texting, right? Not not sending you an email and then you know your assistant passes on and CRM get you know and somebody picks it up from the I support. Like no, 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 no. Text you. Text me right now. Six four seven five zero five zero zero seven zero. You can text me. <laughs> that's a Gary. Well, that's I, a Gary no, 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 no,
All right. Anyways, uh, Alan, I gotta go. Unfortunately, uh, somebody is waiting for me downstairs. Yeah, no, this I, is but this has been really fun. I really, I, re- I so really much. enjoy. I really enjoy this. So, well, I, how do know, people I, find you? How do they find you before that you you well, shut off your? Well, I just dropped my phone number, so you can do that, or you can okay. uh, email me at vadim at coastcard.co, uh, <laughs> okay. and I'll probably once the podcast is live on on LinkedIn or whatever whatever you want to post it, I'll I'll just come out and share my my I'll, I'll show my face there for sure. But, vadim, uh, thanks so much. And, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Really been fun. Thanks, man. Have a great day. We should day. do more. We should do more of this. We will. Cheers. Cheers.